I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love and sometimes hate of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this, this is Backstage, Backstage Biddies. Happy Halloween! It's a Halloween noise. Okay. You know, should we rattle some chains? That was a that was a creaky door. Oh. I like it. I like it. I like it. Entry, children. <laughs> uh, did you hear they're doing a Death Becomes a remake? <gasps> yeah. No. Guess who they have pegged to play the leads? Who? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to guess. I just want to know. Anne Hathaway is going to play Meryl Streep's character. Of course she is. And Goldie Hawn's daughter. Is it Kate Hudson? Yeah. Yeah. And gooped Ro- and gagged. Yeah. I, I, gooped and gagged. I heard, I'm so excited. I heard Robert Downey Jr. is supposed to play the dude that they fight over which i don't care about one way or the other it's listen the movie is not about the man it's about the women yeah oh and lady gaga is supposed to play the the lady who sells the potion lady gaga yeah oh yeah i was like oh fuck that's gonna be so good i think so too i think it's gonna be great um why isn't death becomes her a musical yet i don't know it feels like it should be I think I think it would be I think it'd be fantastic. I don't know. Is it us? Should we call Andrew? Andrew Lloyd Webber? No. <laughs> and he can fuck it up. No, I'm I'm I don't even have humor about it. I'm so done talking about him and all of his ridiculous failures. I yeah. Well, I'm over it. He sucks so bad. <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod before, but we had a professor in college who had this theory that Andrew Lloyd Webber was trying to destroy the American musical. I don't know if we have talked about it, but I know... Listen, I think she was right. He's done nothing but prove that theory correct since she told us about it in, like, 2014. You're right. God, we're old. Yeah, we are. We're a million years old. Um, so I have all the musicals picked out for next month because it's my birthday month. Right. And I'm, we're not going to tell you what all of them are, but I had the one that I was going to make you listen to that I thought you would hate, but I've decided against it. Do you want to know what it was? Yeah. I wanted to do Love Never Dies, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. I know what you're talking about. But after we got through Repo, I just can't sit through another sung through show. I'm sorry, everybody. Not mad about it. It's also a pro shot. Oh, and that goes again. Right. I know we decided we weren't doing pro shots, but it was my birthday month and you couldn't say no. So I was going to try and squeak it in. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I would have. But between Andrew Lloyd Webber's like bad Cinderella fuckery and 
it being a sung through and it's also a pro shot, I was like, I just don't have the stamina <laughs> to, to do this. So I decided against it. But I have other things picked out that I think everyone's going to really like. So I know a couple of them and I'm super jazzed about it. Yeah, the one we've talked about before, and I will spoil this, but uh, no, I won't. I won't. No, nope, keep I'm going to keep it, it a secret. Keep I'm excited about all the birthday month stuff, though. November is going to be a cool month. So, um, so speaking of November, this rounds out the last of your weddings this year, correct? <sighs> Guys, I'm so tired. Was this the last one? Yeah. Well, okay. So my cousin got married and I was the bridal attendant. I essentially ran the show. As you tend to do on those days. As I tend to do. And there wasn't anybody else to do it. And they were all just kind of trying to figure it out. And I was like, no, 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 no. We already started this like rehearsal an hour late. I'm not doing this. I'll just, I'll just do it. That's fine. Get into it. And then about 20 different people from both sides of the families, like people that didn't even actually know me, were like, have you thought about doing this as like a career? Well, that's it. The podcast is over. Benny's leaving us to start a company. Yeah. That's the pod. Thank you guys so much for... <laughs> Bye. No. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> so I was also doing makeup and right. um, Tristan of Tristan Photography okay. uh, was there and she was like, are you doing makeup now? For like special events and things. And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like been a gig work thing that has started happening for me. She was like, can I tell people? Sure. That's networking, baby. She's like, I've got people to tell. And I was (laughs) like, all right, girl, go for it. Well, you do good work at a really reasonable price. So, yeah. I mean, you have to be careful about it because like eventually you might need like an esthetician's license or something, but. Um, I've actually done a lot of research into that. Have you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just don't want you to get sued. Actually, um, I have a couple lawyer friends that are going to write <laughs> me up a waiver. I've Good. already talked to them about it, so. That's excellent. Well, hey, um, if you are doing makeup for anybody and they need dress alterations, fucking call me. Yeah. Because I just bought a new, a new presser foot for my machine that does rolled hems. <gasps> so now I can do really nice, finished, professional-looking work. Uh. It's very fun. You need to teach me how to use my sewing machine. Yeah, but then uh, you'll do your own work. I don't pay you now, so it's not like... I guess that's like, true. <laughs> so I don't... I guess that's true. Yeah. How many weddings has this been for you now? How many did you do this year? Like 12? There I want to say it was probably eight, but... There were four in the month of October alone. So maybe it's nine then, because didn't you do one in... September? Mm-hmm. So nine, because we had... No, we only had three over the summer. But then I had that other one. So, okay, so what number is it? Okay, so I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Five, six, seven, eight. Ba-da, da-da-da, da-da-da, um, yeah, it was not... Ugh. And in varying degrees of, of involvement... Yeah, you've been everything from like a maid of honor to a guest. Yep. Wild. I guys, I when I tell you I'm tired. <laughs> the bags under my eyes. The Gucci baby. 
designer. <laughs> so tell me what our hint is for this week. Our hint is curry. Delicious. I love me a good curry. Me too. Curry is also the last name of a fellow that was in both movies we're doing. Because, kids, this is a showdown. So, it is the, of course, Tim Curry. Duh. And we are doing Rocky Horror Picture Show. I always do the zero heat curry. Well. You know when they tell you, like, pick a number between one and one and five? Yeah. I pick zero. I'm a delicate, delicate white man. I do, like, a solid between two and three. You can do, like, a butter chicken or a... Like a tikka masala? <laughs> I can handle that. Just enough spice to give the sauce some color. The only <laughs> thing coming it like through my brain right now is white people taco night. No, but I, instead it's ugh. white people curry night. <laughs> I hate white people tacos. And my husband loves them. We get some jar sauce from the grocery store. That's what we do. And none. From the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> we like, we like doctorate and everything, but yeah, No, I we, know. I've been there it. for your taco nights. No, for curry. Oh, for curry. Yeah. No, we get naan and, and tikka sauce from the, from Walmart. Well. But we doctorate. It doesn't stay, doesn't stay lame. We do more to it. I believe you. I've not been there for that. <laughs> it's so. very delicious. Um, I hate white people tacos. If we're going to do tacos, I want, like, a proper, like, shredded chicken taco with, like, mole and... Oh, mole sauce. Oh, I could bathe in so it. Oh. Anyway, we're doing... So, anyway, we're doing Rocky Horror. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I totally forgot Tim Curry is in both of these. Yes, he is. It's actually very sweet that he's in both. It's, I mean, it'd Listen. be kind of wrong if he wasn't in the the remake. The remake did a lot right. Uh, let's not jump the gun. You're right. The sentimentality is absolutely there, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. But I've been looking forward to this literally all month. I know. I know. What a wonderful way to spend our Halloween. And it comes out on Halloween. That's why That's why I said that. I know, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, the freaking timing of it. It's cool that we, ended kiss, up, yeah, that we ended up uh, with a podcast episode on Halloween. Yeah. I did it on purpose when I picked Monday and, you know, back in April. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> I did. Yep, you nailed it. You looked right on ahead. <laughs> but before it was a movie, it was actually a, a stage musical. It was. It was a musical in 1973. It was written by Richard O'Brien. He wrote the music lyrics and the book. So this is a one-man band. He did the whole Megillah. Uh, it opened on the West End in 1973, followed by a Los Angeles production in 1974, as well as a Sydney and Copenhagen production in 1974. It played in Madrid from 74 to 76. Uh, it played on Broadway in 1975. The film version also came out in 1975. There was a Rio de, uh, de Janeiro, Paris, Japanese, Buenos Aires, and Melbourne tour in 1975. It also played uh, Toronto and Nuvenjik. Yeah. Something Nordic, uh, as well as another Japanese encore tour and Mexico City in 1976. It played 
Adelaide, Barcelona, and Oslo in 1978. Uh, 19, uh, pardon me, 1977. 1978, it played New Zealand, Wagga Wagga, the first Australian regional what production. What was that? Wagga Wagga. Wow. 1978. It also played Brisbane, Belgium, and Jericho in 1978. The first UK tour was 1979. In 1980, it played um, Essen. Some, it's German. As well as a US tour and a overall German tour. Just as Germany. Maybe Essen isn't German. Maybe it's Austrian. In 1981, it played Wagga Wagga again, as well as an Australian tour that ran through 82. In 1983 to 84, there was a Belgium revival. In 1984, there was another UK tour. In 1990, it played uh, a West End revival. Uh, UK tour in 91, UK tour in 94, as well as Buenos Aires. In 1996, it had an Australian tour. In 1996 to 2000, it played a European tour. 97 in Hong Kong, uh, Barcelona 97, Sydney Revival 98, as well as a UK tour in 98. In 1999, it played Los Angeles. In 1999 to 2000, it played in Poland. 1999 to 2000, that's an eight-year run in Poland. Good for them. There was a 2000 revival on Broadway. There was a 2002 Wait, uh, UK did, tour. Did you say 99 to 2000? No, 99 to 2007. Oh, okay. I was me. like, 99. That's eight years. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, does time move differently? Yeah. That's gay math. You didn't know. Why, why didn't you know? You missed your gay well, math class? I was just going to say. Anywho, had a 2002 where you, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm losing it. Had a UK tour in 2002. It also played St. Louis in 2002. There was a Copenhagen revival in 2003. There was a Brisbane revival in 2004. In uh, 2004, it also had a charity concert in Melbourne. 2006, there was a tribute concert in London. 2006, there was a UK tour. In 2008, there was a Sydney revival again. There was another Melbourne revival in 08 to 09. There was a UK tour in 08 to 09. Um... In 2010, they had a 35th anniversary concert in Los Angeles. Uh, also in 2010, the Glee Tribute episode, which qualifies as an actual production because of the amount of songs they licensed for the episode. It qualifies as an actual production. Isn't that wild? Mm. Uh, in 2010, there was a New Zealand tour, a Singapore revival in 2012, another UK tour in 2013. There was an Australian tour in 2014 and 2015, another European tour in 1415, the 40th anniversary in 2015, which included a live cinema broadcast, a UK tour in 2016, uh, the new television film, which we are also talking about today in 2016. There was a Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo production in 2016, Buenos Aires in 2017, another Australian encore tour in 1718. It played the Stratford Festival in 2018, another UK tour in 2019, uh, a South African tour in 2019 through 2020, another UK tour from 2021 to 2022, a live cinema broadcast in 2021, and finally, a Hobart Australian production in 2021. You don't have anything set for next year? Not yet. The page hasn't been updated as of 2022, so looks like the only production running right now of note is the UK tour. Did you guys get all that? There will be a pop quiz later. I hope you all took notes. Jesus. <laughs> so this has been running. There was a slight gap, like, right at the tail end of the 80s. But this has been running consistently for almost 50 years. 
I mean, fuck. Balls. <laughs> so somewhere in there. Fuck balls. Fuck balls indeed. <laughs> uh, it did become a movie. Twice. It did. Is it my turn or do you have more? That's all I have. <laughs> okay. Well, the 1975 film, which um, you can watch the 75 version on Hulu and Amazon. Excellent. The 16 version, though, you have the only way you can watch it is if you buy it. Because this was an NBC thing, right? It was one of their like live events, yeah. quote unquote. Um, I own it on DVD, so that's how I watched it. But yeah, but so that's how that works out. Um, it was released August 14th, 1975, directed by Jim Sharman, screenplay by Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman. They worked on like adapting it to the to the screen. Not that it's really that far off, honestly. It's not. Um, they do like movie things with it as far right. as like setting direction, that sort of thing. But yeah, the, the plot itself is really, really close to the stage show. Yeah. Yep. And cinematography by uh, Peter. Peter Gabriel. No, come on, give it to us. Shushitsky? <laughs> Shushitsky? Okay. Zitsky? I, Probably I believe you. <clears throat> Google it. Anyway, music by Richard Hartley and songs by Richard O'Brien. For the cast, we have Tim Curry uh, playing Dr. Frankenfurter, the eccentric transvestite scientist. Susan Sarandon. Bless her heart. She's so hot. As Janet Weiss, <laughs> the heroine and Brad's, Brad's fiance. Barry Bostwick as Brad Majors, the hero, and Janet's fiance, which I think it's funny that he's listed as the hero. <laughs> I mean, if you have to have one, isn't he like the closest thing we have? I guess. You look unconvinced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff, the hunchbacked handyman and Magenta's brother. Wait, Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff? Yeah. Richard O'Brien, the guy who wrote the thing? What? That's insane. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, neither did I until until I did the... That's the know, second the time that. that's happened this Halloween. Yeah. Happened in Repo, too. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's like a specifically a Halloween musical thing. You know, it would make a lot of sense, so... Hmm. There's something... Because there's something about, like, for something for, like, especially a, a specific time of year or a spe- specific kind of, like, genre like that... I guess. They are, like, really into it. So they're like, yeah, I want to be in it. Who's the guy who wrote music on Little Shop? Why am I blanking on his name? Alan Menken. Alan Menken? He wasn't in Little Shop. Undedicated. Well, I mean, he did a lot of other stuff, though, that wasn't, like... Unprofessional. Okay, fine. (laughs) Um, Then we had... Patricia Quinn is Magenta. She was the maid and Riff Raff sister. I love her. Um, Nell Campbell. She's actually more known as Little Nell. Um, yes. Yep. She played Columbia, a groupie. To perfection. To nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed, nailed it. it. Nailed it. There we go. Nailed it even. Nailed ya. <laughs> she had nailed ya. Jonathan Adams as Dr. Everett V. Scott. Dr. Scott! 
Thank you. <laughs> Great Scott. He's the rival scientist. Peter Hinwood as Rocky Horror. The creation. Is that his name? Yeah. His last name is Horror? Or is it The Rocky Horror? The, like, Peter Hinwood as Rocky Horror. I didn't realize his whole last name was Horror. Mm-hmm. I've just always called him Rocky. I didn't know he had a... I assumed it was Rocky Frankenfurter. No, because Fra Frank and Furter, so it would have been Rocky Furter. That makes more sense than Rocky Horror. No. Listen. That's too much commitment for Frank. <sighs> Nomenclature is a very complicated thing. <laughs> You're right, but actually he didn't sing. It was Trevor White that sang. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. well, I have opinions about that. And then we've got Meatloaf as Eddie, the ex-delivery boy. God, fuck it. And Charles... Didn't we talk, wasn't Meatloaf, like, on, on the docket for, like, another musical that we've already covered that he was, like, he was selected for it, but they didn't follow through? Yes. I remember talking about it when we talked about Cindy Lauper, but I don't remember what musical it was for. Did, well, he actually started off as a stage actor. Oh, was it for, was he it was, for Hunchback? Yes. I think so. For Quasi? Yeah. I think so. This was well, a much better fit, I feel, for his range and his timbre. Yeah. Um, but he actually was, like, in... He was in Hair. That tracks. Before this, and so he actually was, like, a stage... Is he in the movie? ...performer. That I don't know. We should find out. I want to cover Hair. Um... But he was a stage actor and all of that stuff before he, like, did his music career that actually came after all of that. Huh. Because he was stage, <clears throat> stage sl like, acting slash musicals kind of vibe, and then shifted into a couple movie musicals, and then that shifted him more into... Because I was like, I didn't know the timeline of his career. Me either. And I had clicked on it. My mom's a it. huge Meatloaf fan, but I'm not really. Well, there you go. Um, and then we have Charles Gray as the criminologist and expert. Um, for the production, so Richard O'Brien was actually living as an unemployed actor in London during the early 70s. And that's when he wrote the most, most of it was like during. Yeah, he wrote it as like. A winter. Like yeah, over the winter because like he was bored. Fill his time. Yeah, because mm -hmm. he was just bored. It was like a hobby. Well, because so he really really loved science fiction and b horror films it shows and so he wanted to combine <laughs> well seriously though i mean that in the best way it, because with this watch because again we've talked about this before on on the podcast but when you but, take your critical eye to it right right i all of a sudden was like oh my gosh like Riff Raff and Magenta are like vampires, and so is Frankenfurter. Yeah, I mean, and then, but there's also the like Frankenstein. The film genre that we see displayed here in the writing is so impressive. Seriously. It's, like a, it's a masterwork on the context and the content. Like, it's just, it's wild. Yeah. Especially to know that, like, this was a musical in 73 and then took off as a film in 75 and then continued playing forever. Yeah. Inst instantaneously a, a cult classic yeah from the minute it took off it didn't have to like build an audience it just like landed on the scene and everyone was like oh this is it yep yep so because he wanted to combine like unintentional the humor of the b-horror movies and 
Steve Steve Reeves as muff, Muscle Flicks, which is bleep, 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 bleep. one more time for the kids at home. Steve Reeves Muscle Flicks, which is why they reference taking an old Steve Reeves movie. Oh, mm-hmm. neat. And the lyrics and the fifties rock and roll, like kind of vibe in the music to that. So the thing that I really loved finding out doing this research is that little Nell, Patricia Quinn, Tim Curry, and Richard O'Brien, well, obviously Richard, um, was in the original stage show. Good for them. That's the way to do it. I, I think. And we know that from experience. Yep. That, that is the way to do it. Because every single time you actually put, you know, live stage professionals into those things, especially people who were in the original. Yeah. Just. I wonder how many people in the remake had done the show. I mean, they're all, they all have Broadway credits. Almost, almost all of almost them. Almost all of them do. I don't know. And it shows because the vocals on that remake are fucking crazy. But like. Yeah, they are. I wonder how many of them had done the show before. So fun fact for this um, recording of it, the first clips of it were supposed to be in black and white. And then when they shifted into like the castle and stuff, it was supposed to turn to color. Oh, like the car scene and everything? Yeah, but it was way too expensive. Um, But I thought that that was kind of cool. Yeah, it would have been a cool thing. That would have been a, yeah. Um, Not that it's bad the way it is, but you know. No, no. And then they actually brought in Pierre... uh, La Roche, who had previously been the makeup artist for Mick Jagger and David Bowie, to Cute. redesign the the makeup for this movie. So I thought for the remake, no. Oh, okay. Because no, I thought the makeup the design stage. on the remake was really good. Yes. Yeah. No, I thought so. So because of this still like limited release that this movie has, um, every single year and just random times throughout the year. This is the longest running theatrical release in film history because technically it's never stopped. I mean, yeah. Yeah. When you look at the way that the live production has run a million years all over Christendom and also the way that this movie has been released every six weeks since the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, truly. Disclaimer, both of these movies are insanely good. Oh God, yeah. They're both so. so I was delicious. so glad we were able to like wrap up this month with. I know, thank with a really, God. Like a really good solid one oh, instead man. of. Oh man, if I had to sit through another Paradise or Monster Mash, I think I would have ended it. Ugh. We would have called it quits on Halloween till Been death late. do us part. Yeah. But now, we can do. Hey, speaking of death becomes her. Yeah. There's, I think. I think more than one musical number in that movie. We should review it. And maybe, maybe the remake will have, cause I know it opens with a musical number because Meryl Streep is on Broadway. Yeah. I, there's one other one in it. We're covering it next year. All right. And I want to do other borderline stuff like Elvira, mistress of the dark. That's got musical numbers in it. Or, um, I have, have you ever seen the sequel to this? To Rocky horror? No. Shock treatment. No, I Me either, but it's available on YouTube. We're starting a list. I want to do good Reaper shit. Madness. I want to do good stuff next year. Have you ever watched Reaper Madness? I haven't. I also think we should revisit Devil's Carnival. I know it sounds really gory, but we talked about it this year. I think we should throw one genuinely, genuinely scary one in there next year. All right. All right. Well, no more Halloween submissions. It's capped. <laughs> so the cool thing that this movie did that was also like put into the remake was 
there's a lot of audience participation that oh ended my up gosh, happening. Yeah. Because again, they didn't build a cult audience. It just like happened. Well, because they, so it was released, right? Mm-hmm. And they, it didn't do well at first because it was like the same small group of people. So they revamped the poster. So that way it had the red lips on it. Mm-hmm. It said a different kind of Jaws. Nice. Because, like, Jaws was a movie at the time that had come out. A very out. commercially successful movie. Right. Um, so they had revamped that a little bit, and then they um, started, you know, doing those, like, midnight showings and different stuff like that. Then they started adding in, like, shadow casts, which Have you is... ever been to, like, a, a shadow cast production of this? No, I really want to. I have. It's super fun. I've seen this on the screen as a shadow cast, and I've also been to a live production where they did, like, all the props. So they throw the toast, and they do the the newspaper over your head and everything and it's so much fun i would i truly like i would love we to should go. find one next year i mean we we got invited to one this year but we ended up not being able to go yeah. we should follow through on it next year and actually go because it's such a fun experience definitely well so they then it's like slowly built and it built this just this mass thing yeah it's a cultural phenomenon at this point i mean it is it and it's got there's so much influence like cultural influence and and different stuff like that with it which no wonder they ended up making a remake i mean that's not shocking to me at all that they ended up doing that yeah because the remake then is called the rocky horror picture show let's do the time warp again so if you're look like if you're googling it because when i would just google rocky horror yeah it, Only the first one comes up because this one has right. the second one has technically a different title. Right. So that one you'll have to purchase, or maybe you can find somewhere to rent. I was looking I'm all over the place and couldn't really find it. Positive you could find it if you went to like a public library. Yeah, some or something like that. Um. So that was released October twentieth, two thousand sixteen. It was directed by Kenny or- Ortega, and Kenny he's... Ortega, the same guy who did like Teen Beach and High School Musical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nailing it, you know? It's called range. Look it up, losers. Hello. <laughs> um, music by Richard Hartley and Richard O'Brien, obviously, and then cinematography by Luc Montepierre. Oh. That's probably not actually how you pronounce it, but it how looks decadent. French. Um, so the cast for that one is the... Okay, so... The cast on the remake is bonkers banana pants. I, I was watching it, obviously, because you... you, know, you know, that's what we do here. <laughs> and I've discovered that uh, Adam Lambert yeah, and Laverne Cox uh-huh. and Tim Curry uh-huh. is my sexuality. Listen, it's a bisexual wet dream. I can't begin to explain to you the absolutely sensuous experience that this film is i have a huge crush on reeve carney i have an even bigger crush on ryan mccartan mm-hmm. oh my god like mm-hmm. this movie they're all so hot they're mm-hmm. all so, the first one too like my mm-hmm. god everyone's just so hot so and they're hot. licking each other and <laughs> rubbing up on each other and riding like... motorcycles oh my god annalee ashford on the motorcycle with adam lambert and me i mean i mean i mean and me that's porn. Sometimes you have to take a little intermission for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
This is not a family podcast. No, We've it's never not. claimed that it was. No. But yeah, I'm the the run through the cast on this because the cast on the remake is absolutely insane. Yeah, so we've got Laverne Cox playing Dr. Frankenfurter, Victoria Justice as Janet Weiss. And listen, people rag on her, but she does the damn thing here. She does. So Ryan McCartan as um Brad Majors. I wanna lick him. Staznar as Rocky Horror. <laughs> Sorry, he has such a weird goofy name and i'd never heard of him before this movie no so i did more research into him and he was um on like a on like a talent show in like england it was in england i was gonna say i know he's like he's like german and indigenous russian 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 and indigenous yep okay yep so that's kind of i mean i i like his singing voice a lot i do too i just well um, so Annalie Ashford as Columbia. That's my mom. Like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. Adam Lambert as Eddie. That's my wife. Reeve Carney as Riff Raff. Love him. Love him. Christina uh, Millen as Magenta. Ivy, Ivy Levin as Trixie. Ivy Winters. <laughs> uh, uh, Trixie the Usherette, which actually the Usherette is from the... Um, stage production. There's typically like an actual yeah, 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 yeah. usherette person. As opposed to just like the lips that do the intro. Yes. It's like an actual character. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, ben Vereen as Dr. Everett Von Scott. Fucking Ben Vereen. I know. What a choice. I know. And what a brilliant choice too. Not something that I necessarily would have thought of, but like After I just... this movie came out, he did get in some hot water and we're going to discuss that when we get to the ratings and everything, but... Oh no, I didn't. Okay. But what a choice. I also have some information about Meatloaf, so we're going to talk about uh, that. I also have some information on William Ivy Long, who did the costumes for the remake. Listen, the score on this one's going to shake out. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either. So, uh, then, obviously, we have the Tim Curry as the narrator. A gift. A blessing. Criminologist. The fact that he was still able to get on camera and do this. I... What a <sighs> gift. I mean, it, the treasure that his presence in this movie the first time is and the gift that he gave to like the queer community through this film to, for him to be able to reprise it and give his blessing and, and be a part of it still. I, that's just what, how lucky we are to be alive for this to happen. Um, then we've got Jane Eastwood as the Butler, which is the gal that like turns the pages I love her. For, I know. She's I know, so she's... funny. She was in Grease Live, too, and she's super funny there, too. Yep. Like, I didn't know she was a comedy actress. Yeah, so... She, she's really um, funny. Sal Perio was played the photographer for the remake. Okay. The only reason why I'm bringing him up is because he was the president of the... Is, and it still is, of the fan club for Rocky Horror. Oh, my God. That started in 77. That's crazy. Can you imagine, like, getting, like, after spending all this time absolutely loving a film this much, and they're like, hey. hey do you want to be in it? Yeah. Do you want to be immortalized on film? Isn't that Join cool? us, wouldn't you? That's so awesome. That's, I, yeah. They paid such respect when they did this remake. They did, and there's, oh, yeah. I yeah. love that. So the reception for this was kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I slightly agree with some of it, but there's there's parts of this movie that are just so well done and so good yeah. that the other, you know, it's a, it's a weird balancing act yeah, thing uh, with, so the, with the remake. 
I love everything about both of these films, but I do have negative critiques on both of them as we move through our categories here. Yep. Yep. Um, because the the real thing that they that people complained about was the fact that they focused too much on the campiness of the film. So it's I mean the reviews for the second one it was it was difficult because they they played and we'll talk about this more later but they played too much sometimes into the I have to make it funny and not just like letting the script and letting certain things because yeah. they have the moments vibe on of both not of them is very that. different. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Same material, like literally to the letter, but like it's a different vibe. Right. And people talked about the fact that like the, so cause they had talked about doing this remake back in like, uh, it was like for, for 2005. So oh, really? for the, for the anniversary. Oh, so they oh, started okay. talks. The anniversary. That makes sense. Yeah. They had started talks in like, oh three like oh two oh three to mm-hmm. do it um and they just they were like we've got other things going on right now let's well, look and at I know it later one of, the, one of the hot button topics and it became a really hot button under the obama administration was who you cast to play frankenfurter because is it a trans character are we still going to use the word transvestite are we going to use the word transsexual right because those words are not words we use as the lgbt community does not subscribe to those words anymore no they're not words we use to describe anybody in our community there some of them are even considered slurs in some circles most circles even yep so it was especially at that time when language was changing about those topics under that administration who do you cast and is it pc to do this is it still acceptable are we going to be harming people if we produce this a second time so I know that was like a huge issue, even leading up to, to this one in 2016. Yes. Yes, it was. But I'm very glad that Laverne Cox, as a trans woman, was able to take this and... Oh, God, I agree. And run with it. I think, I mean, that's the one thing that people, even if they had critique on how this was done, they say that the ensemble specifically and Laverne <laughs> Cox just... You're right. Rocked it. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. So should we talk about these five categories? We haven't done this in like six months. Yes, we should. Okay. So our five categories are music, dance, character and costume design, which in this one, I I kind of added other notes about design, Uh, cinematography, and script cinematography. I also included a bunch of uh, opinions about like the direction of the film. And I think maybe moving forward, maybe the character costume design category should just include like production design. I think it should just be a design category. Yep. And cinematography, we can probably broaden to just encompass all of direction. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if you guys out there have any suggestion or anything, just let us know. Yeah. Like if we're missing things that you guys wish we were talking about, please do let us know. These categories are just kind of like off the cuff things that we, that we wanted to talk about. They're things that we have opinions on. So that's how the categories kind of broke down. Um, Script is also a weird category because it just kind of includes all the stuff that we wanted to touch on that didn't fall in the other four categories. Yeah, because it's it's more than just a script. It's also about the pacing and how the actors like portray this character. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot 
in all of these categories. Um, I'm sure if casting should fall under one of these categories or if we should just leave it for the biddy test. Right. So these because are things. Because we do the biddy test. So do we need a category that encompasses casting? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So, so those are our five categories for the time being. It's music, dance, character, costume design, cinematography, and script. Those will change in the future, and now you know why. <laughs> Let's dive into some... Say it! Plot biddies. <laughs> I really liked that. I didn't know where you were going for a second, but that was nice. Thank you. That Thank was you. very clever. Thank you. Um... So the plot for this one, just real quick. So this is going to be a much smaller plot breakdown than what we typically do. Um, we've got our, our two main people. We've got Janet and Brad. They were at a wedding. They get engaged. They're going to go see their friend, uh, Dr. Everett Scott. Dr. Scott. Braid. Janet. Anyway. <laughs> Rocky. Um, so... <laughs> Christ. Ah, so go on, go on. yeah, so they're doing that. They end up breaking their. They blow a tire. There's this mansion. It's raining. They go inside. There's a light. There's a um, light at the mansion. There's a whole song about it. <laughs> there. Yeah. Um. This is a quick one. Trick. Sorry. Come on. Sorry. Come on. Come on. Um. And they meet this really weird cast of characters they're just trying to use a phone and all of a sudden they're like thrown into this party with this weird dance and janet's freaking out about it brad is like um let's just go along with it because we do really need the phone we find out that the head of the house frankenfurter has created a man somehow craziness ensues there's a lot of there's a lot of sex and murder that happens realistically only one person is murdered but you know it's re- enough depending on which version you're watching only one person has sex no there's some implied oral stuff i suppose yeah yeah and janet does rocky yeah, that's why. And I mean. then also does um, Frankenfurter. In the original, though, I think someone give us a body count on <laughs> on this movie. It's a, it's. I mean, it's a pretty <laughs> thick body count, if we're being honest. Sexually. Yeah, I think so. Because, like, think about all the other people. Like, you, oh, camera. so you're thinking there? There's implied I'm just sex like, in the household. Just literally, everyone's doing everyone. It's a big old orgy. Queer orgy all the time. We're drifting. We are. Frankenfurter invents a man. (laughs) And then. (laughs) Creates a man. There's sex. There's rock and roll. Someone dies. There's a dinner party. There is a dinner party. Not meatloaf again. Classic line. (sighs) Um, uh, And then the Frankenfurter gets murdered by riffraff um and they're like you done fucked up and we find out that they've all been aliens and they belong to a different planet in a different universe 
Um, then it's over. And then they leave. <laughs> and then Brad and Janet and Dr. Scott are just left with the knowledge of what had has happened. Roll credits. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> this is probably my favorite musical that doesn't mean anything. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's a really close tie with this and The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Like Neither of those musicals mean anything at all. They're so good, though. They're so good. They're so good. Sometimes musical theater is just a romp through musical theater. Yeah. I love a good romp. Who doesn't? A romp. A romper. Mm. Mm. I look silly in a romper, but it's because my torso is too tall. Yeah. Which is weird, because I'm not that tall of a man. No. I'm only 5'10". We can make you a man. Although my husband believes that I am taller than 5'10", and the last time I got a physical, I found out I am not 5'10", and I came back, and I was like, Ross, you were right. I'm not 5'10". And he got all all uh, puffed up, and he was like, oh, I knew it. How tall are you? I'm 5'10 and a half. <laughs> so there. Turns out my husband was right. Not in a way that made him feel good. <laughs> but he was right. But technically, On Ross, paper, if anybody asks, were, he was right. You were right. Category number one, music. We're going to try really hard to make this more entertaining than the Cats episode. <laughs> did you re-listen to that? Yeah, I did. I also did. And uh, who doggy? I, th- I think, and I, I hope the folks out there would agree that we're getting better as time goes on. I much hope like, so. Much like anything else in life, you know? Yeah, finding our groove. Yeah. We were definitely not in our groove for the Cats episode. No, and it was only the fourth episode that we had ever done. The first showdown we'd ever done. It was a new format, even for like, even though we'd gotten a few episodes in. So I hope this one is better because the Cats episode felt like an NPR special. Well. And that's just not what we do here. No. <laughs> so let's talk about Music as a category. Do you want to start with 75 or 16? I'll take your lead. Where do you want to start? All right. Well, let's start with 75 then. I think that the music design on the 1975 movie is really, like, really messy and busy. Like, there's always, like, background noise or, like, traffic sounds or, like, it just feels like a very busy sound design. Yep. But also, it's meant to be a B-film parody. Exactly. Like, it's a very self-aware parody, so it almost feels intentional. I think I think with uh, Mr. O'Brien, he really knew his shit and his reference points. That wasn't just something that he stumbled across. You can tell that he really, really loved those things and right. wanted he to bring a, them to life. He had a real handle on the hallmarks of the genre. Yep. So the fact that the sound design is the way it is and that the the cast is sort of unrefined and unpolished, it feels very on purpose in order to create an atmosphere of cult hilarity. Right. And I so I I do think cuz too much of it is very intentional. For me to think that this wouldn't also be intentional. And the fact that he was involved with the writing and he was also in it, like he was present for the development, it feels on purpose. Oh, yeah. So is it noisy and busy and unclean? Yes. Do I count it as a mark against it musically? No. I don't. I don't. I think it was on purpose to create the product that they wanted. Exactly. 
Yep. And I know we both think that the 2016 production is much cleaner orally. So the sound of what musical theater is changes, right? Right. There are always trends. Like right now it's that really like pingy, high in your mask, nasally forward sound that like kind of like brighter mix. And typically it's like... um, like a belting mix and if right. you can it's very belty it's very like vocal stunty right now is very popular yep as opposed to like golden age timbres where everything was very like rich and chesty and like and, and lush and like kind of co- more cozy and this right is more right very short. like uh yeah rosemary clooney kind yep. of vibes like the bing crosby of it all yeah so i think so i think some of it is too that that's the sound that we've kind of grown with a lot i think so too um but also like the technology and balance of everything and the change in the instrumentation and all of that stuff that they did and the voices that they've added and the parts that they added i think only only helped the sound and i think that while both movies were based off of these like the same exact script the same characters like none of that stuff was changed they are two very different movies and i don't think that there's anything like necessarily that one is completely better than the next or whatever yeah i'm gonna have a really hard time today because i'll be honest when we went into the cats showdown i like kind of knew who was gonna win because tom hooper's cats is a fucking disaster Right. I'm. I really don't know what's going to happen here. I don't. I don't either. I think, I'm excited. Yeah. So, yes, music design has come a long way. Like the way we record audio is completely different than it was 45, 50 years ago when this movie first happened. So, I think the new one has a much like cleaner sound design. It's much more pleasant to listen to. I also think that the voices are interpreted differently. And we can talk about the culture that these both kind of grew up in because the first one is an intentional self-aware parody of B-film, right? It's meant to tap into audiences who enjoy cult film. Right. The new one is meant to appease a specific cult following of a cult film. Right. Like the atmospheres are different. One is intentionally trying to, trying to get you to love the material that you're being shown. The other one is celebrating material that you already love. Exactly. So I think that the way that they use vo- actors' voices in both is different. The first one is very, like, character voice heavy. There are lots of character choices, lots of, like, screaming, yelling, gravel. Like, there's a lot of character choice going on. Yeah, and in the 16, because I noticed, because I, I watched them back to back. Me too. Okay, well. Which one did you watch first? Uh, 75. Me too. Twins. I, yes. Well, and I I really liked doing that because there were things that I noticed even more so because I watched them back to back. Of course. Where, like, the 16 version, there was a lot more singing. Yes, there is. And in the 75 version, it's there's more speak singing and it's kind of flowing in and out of the dialogue and it's right. more, like, in, ingrained in that sense versus the 16 where stuff is very rhythmic the entire time and it's not as there's yeah. more structure there is there's musically. more choral structure there's more musical structure and i think right. it's because again you're appeasing a certain crowd that you know already loves the material so you end up with like it's a room full of theater kids 
Right. That's who loves this movie. It's like night freaks and theater kids. <laughs> so if you don't give them good trained voices that sound good, then the remake doesn't test as well. You know what I mean? Right. Because the audience is different. So, so I think those, those diff- it's not, and I can't decide which one is better. They're just different choices for different audiences. Right. Tough call. I do think that the uh, the singing voice of Rocky in the nineteen seventy five trash. It's I'm so bad. sorry. I and that's I can say that comfortably because there are other actors in the seventy five movie that don't sing well. Like Richard O'Brien's voice is not always my favorite. Even like Tim Curry's voice isn't always singy. Sometimes he's doing a sort of speak sing thing. Right. Which is appropriate for the character and very Tim Curry, and I absolutely love that interpretation. But there are times when actors aren't singing, they're speaking through songs. Rocky just sounds bad. Yeah. Like it's not a character choice, it's just a bad voice. Yeah, it's not, I'm not a fan. Yeah, so I wasn't a fan of that. Um, there's also uh, like a scoring issue that I found when Magenta and Riff Raff release Rocky into the castle. Yeah, it's like some weird... It sounds like a Nintendo game backtrack. Like yeah, I was, He was running it's... through the castle and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Why is I this just... what we're listening to? I, yeah, and I have, I have no idea. It's... I don't know where it came from. It doesn't come back up in the score anywhere. No. I was like, literally, what is this? Who wrote this and why is it here? Well, we know who wrote it. We do. I, but I wonder, like, you know, was if, that a Richard O'Brien decision? Like, it doesn't, it's incongruous with the rest of the production. So I was like, what is this and why is it here? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do really like all of the voices used in the remake. Like, 2016 feels, it feels like they did a really great job revitalizing the characters and the songs without changing them musically. Yeah. So, like, with, um... Victoria Justice. Yeah. She she was definitely giving Susan Sarandon. She yeah, was giving she was that area. She was she channeling wasn't... Susan Sarandon for sure. She didn't like try to change the quality of that character. Right. But she also brought her own timbre and her own kind of like strength of voice. Right. That I don't think Susan Sarandon had with the character. No. No, because Susan Sarandon first and foremost is an actress. Not a singer. And that's by her own admittance. Yes. Yeah. But I think Victoria Justice brings a sort of, again, like a power behind it. So there are moments when she can go full voice or she can belt or she can mix instead of like pulling back and doing a character choice. Yeah. And I love that. And I think so many, uh, Ryan McCartan has a couple moments that like the original Brad would do like a head voice kind of thing when he got too high in his register. Ryan doesn't have to do that. He can mix it and go full voice. Right. And I love that. I love those choices. So I think that I think that the 2016 cast does a great job again, like bringing new life and revitalizing these numbers without changing their core. Right, because I I loved the addition of the trio in the 16. Oh my version. god, the trio! I loved the instrumentation that happened. They switched some stuff up, but like for um, Hapatuti, for instance, they still were able to keep some of like the saxophone stuff that Meatloaf had done. Um, but used a tenor sax instead. So it was like a deeper, richer sound than... Yeah, it's just little changes like that. Yep. That you haven't changed, again, like the soul of the material, but it's improved in a certain direction. Yeah. And I love that. 
I also really love that we get a finale in the 2016 version. It's barely a finale. It's yeah. like 45 seconds, but we still get a finale, and we don't get a finale in the original, which I which bothered me. Yeah, I wanted I'm one. I'm kind of shocked that we don't, though. It was typical of the format of the time. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't put music in your third act. I know that's a Disney rule, but it's also just kind of a rule, generally speaking, especially if you're doing, like, a cult film. Yeah. So... I get it. I understand the decision, but it. I wish we had had a finale. And we get one in 2016, which I think is cool. So who gets the point on that? This is a, it's a tough call because the original is... Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. I think the 16, and the only reason that I'm going to say the 16 is because there wasn't a weak vocalist among them with the 75 there rocky weak, is a problem yeah there are some weak spots because like everyone else like i i love what susan sarandon did and i lo- yeah, like I, sure. I think there I are a actually, lot of knockout performances in the 75 tim yeah. curry obviously does like an incredible iconic job like it's so recognizable oh. meatloaf is in it like that's really cool it's in it, it's so so good it's just that one person guys this is literally going to be like Splitting hairs. Tooth and well, nail. Okay, for this, but the 75 also has that weird scoring problem that doesn't yep. come back in the 16. So it seems like they addressed it and remedied it. Like they recognized it as a flaw. Right. And it also doesn't have a finale. So I think it's, I think just, just barely. It's. I think I agree. I think it's got to be the 16. I agree. And I don't want us to consider any categories without considering the nostalgia of either of them, because I think they both play a part in the success of both of these. Right. So I think it's fair to consider that for both categories, or for, for both movies in each category, that we shouldn't be afraid of like how we feel about them personally, as opposed to other things where we maybe try to set that aside. Right. Right. I, I think we can yeah. do it here, reasonably speaking. So I think I agree. It's not by much, but just by a little bit, I think it's tw- the 2016. Yeah. Category number two. We're on to dance. 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 Yeah. Kylie Minogue, anybody? No? Yeah. Okay. No, I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, so 75, there's just not a lot of dancing. No. There's not a lot to discuss choreo-wise. It, there, there really isn't, um, but... The two big ones are the time warp and the floor show. Right. And the time warp iconic it's so iconic it literally started the thing yeah and i mean what musical theater kid doesn't know the time warp right well it's and it's most of it is just all in the lyrics but exactly so clever and the thing too with that is so i believe that they kind of like for the time warp everybody was drunk yeah okay so one of my critiques of the 1975 as far as choreo goes is that it feels very unpolished and unfinished, but but again, it's a B. I think it's intentional. A B roll. I think it is because because they, the time warp, everyone was hammered. The floor show is also very messy, but they did it like fifty times in rapid succession, so that the cast was really, really worn out and like couldn't like the take that they use. Their kicks are uneven when they're doing a kick line and everything, and that's the moment people grab onto. Yeah, because it was like their fiftieth take. They were too tired to lift their leg. Yeah. 
And that's the take they went with. So it's a choice that they made. And I wonder if that choice is because they're supposed to be under some weird type of spell thing, right? That's what's kind of going on there is so if it was all clean and precise, you know, this could be kind of right. It wouldn't have read the same. It wasn't, it wasn't the vibe that they were trying to encompass on film. Exactly. And they're building an instant cult film. So you have to be conscious of the vibe that you're building. Right. And my thing too, and this is also a bit of the cinematography, but it does go in with the fact of like, the choreo, we don't get to see a ton of it. No, for we the don't time do any, warp like, either. No, we don't do wide pans. No, so we, we don't see it. We don't do wide pans. We don't the tapping. I would have loved to see more of the tapping. Me too. You know, I just there was there was some stuff where I wanted to see more of it. Yeah. And it's and it's because we do love this film so much and it's so wonderful that you know. Yeah. They do get big points for the time warp choreo. Obviously, originators. I don't know. Does like the pool sex they have during the floor show does that count as choreo? I think it does. Does it? I think it does. All right, we'll count it. I mean, what do they have to lose? I think it does, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first to say this. I think the pool scene in the '75 version is better than the pool scene in the '16. I will concede that. However, I think that the floor show. The floor is show in is better in the 2016. Yes, I prefer. Nope, because that's for a different category. Um, but I, but I do think that the pool thing because okay, so what we have to also remember is that which I forgot until I was watching it, and there was like random like blackouts happening. Mm-hmm. This was made to be put on TV. Yeah, the 16 version. So there is costume wise and stuff there it's different so like of course with things like some of the choreo and some of the stuff that we're doing and especially in the pool scene they weren't as able to get like as raunchy and sensual as like that is kind of called for in the 2016 in the 16 because it was made for television yeah yes and we're going to talk about that when we get to direction Yep. I do, however, think choreo-wise, the floor show is better in the 2016 version. I think in the 2016 version, we do get to hear more tap. We do get to see more tap. Yes, we, we do. We see it from Annalie Ashford, who taps for days and like in the time warp. Yeah. It's tap dubbed, but we're going to count it. Well, I, almost all tap is Can you imagine dubbed, doing tap dub live for an event? No. That would be insane. The problem I have with the choreography in the 2016 movie is that you literally called the TV event. Let's do the time warp again. That's in the title and you changed the time warp. Yeah. It's iconic choreography. It's part of the title draw that you're using and you changed it. And I don't, and this is a part of design, but the thing that I saw in the background of that is that it said the 30, uh, the 41st annual, uh, time warp convention or something. Yeah. Because it was, this was 41 years, you right. know, and that goes into like playing into the nostalgia of everything and like yeah, the yeah, little yeah, things yeah. that matter and, and stuff like that. But anyway, um, I, I happened think, to notice that during that. I but. do think the choreography is better though. Like the new time warp choreography is more interesting to look at and cooler. 
Yeah, because it's just not the original time. Because again, you're looking because the 75 version is. Is the B film horror spoof. And then this one is for For the musical musical theater theater kids. kids. Yeah. They do that thing on the floor where like they lay in a circle. Oh, that thing is so cool. That's fucking cool. It's so cool. And like the floor work they do and like, like the dancers in the background are like dancer dancers and not like drunk extras. Yeah. Well, because there's also in, in some of the other scenes, there's more people in the background. So they give them something to do. Right. Something more than standing in a party hat on camera. Right. So it sounds like we, we probably agree. Cause they beefed it up. It sounds like we agree that the 2016 gets the choreo point. Yeah. I, I think that has to be the way it is. And that's not a mark necessarily on the uh, 75 film. It's just a, a matter of fact that this movie skill for skill did more. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Category is costume and character design. It's serving punk, campy, horror, thrift shop, garbage party hat. (laughs) Yeah. So I do think that the 1975 uh, costumes are iconic. They're unique. They're intentionally narrative right from the get-go, which I love about them. Mm-hmm. Every single time you meet someone, you instantaneously know something more about them just from looking at them. From the very beginning at the wedding scene all the way to the tail end of the floor show. Everything is constantly storytelling. And Sue Blaine does a wonderful job of this. She was the, the lady who did the costumes for the original Broadway, pro- or for the, the live production. She did the movie. She also did Shock Treatment, the sequel. Oh, nice. Yeah, so she's, she's very invested in the Rocky Horror world aesthetically. And I think she's got it down to a T. She nails it. Do you have anything else to add there? For the 75? Well, no, about just about, like the, the costume design off the bat. You want me to keep going? Um, you, can, you can keep going. I did include some notes in this category about um, not costume design. Like I, some notes about the set. I really love the shape of the set. I love the color of the set. It feels very like Victor Frankenstein meets the Munsters meets Adam's family, but not in black and white. You know what I mean? Exactly. Have you seen those pictures of the Adam's family set when it's like in color? Yep. Yeah. And it's like all pink and yellow. Yep. It feels like that. And I love it. It feels like we have lots of space to play in and they use the whole thing. Like I just, I love the aesthetic of the set. And it feels very, again, very, like, intentionally campy, intentionally cult film. I love it. I don't love Rocky's hair. I don't know why he has this weird, like, (laughs) coconut-shaped Dorothy Hamill yellow blonde bowl cut. That's what Frank Converter was into. Weird fetish, but fine. (laughs) I I don't love it, but... He does have those little shorty shorts, those little booty shorts. So I forgive him. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the whole thing just feels like a thrift shop threw up. And I love that about it. I I do too. It's so... (sighs) And it lent itself to the experience of going to see this live. It's accessible. You can dress up as a character in this movie and realistically go see it and look like you're part of it. Very easily. And I think that also helped with being able to do 
the shadow cast. We we haven't talked about what a shadow cast is. No, you want to define it real quick? Yeah. So a shadow cast, um, the movie plays in the background, and then there are live actors in front of the screen that are also acting it out. In character, you do the lines. They're in costume. Yeah, you leave space for the audience interactions where, like, when they leave the car, everyone puts a newspaper over your head. Um, When they do the anticipation line, everyone, like, waits for the the gap, and then you say, say it, patient. Yeah. There's the the two out of three ain't bad moment. There's a moment where you throw toast. Yep. So there's all these things that you do during a shadow cast that make it, like, an interactive experience. Yeah. Yeah, they're playing, they are playing even more to the audience and bring, able to bridge that gap. Exactly. Even more. And shadow casts are done with other things too. Yeah. This is the really famous one, like the one that everyone buys tickets for to go see as a shadow cast because it's super fun and interactive. But shadow casts can be done in other ways in other places. Oh, definitely. Shall we talk about the 2016 design elements? Yeah. So I think that the costumes in the new movie are inspired. Um, I think they pay homage, but they're still innovative. You can definitely see the budget. You can, because the budget for the original film, I think, was $1.3 million, and this one was over twenty. Yeah, it shows. And I know that, obviously, there's inflation and stuff in there, too, but that doesn't... They're so far apart that, like... <laughs> That inflation doesn't, like, it won't bring it up to where that's at. No, you know what I mean? it's just not going to do the same thing. So no. you can definitely see the money at play here. At times, though, some of the choices that we've made feel pandersome. It feels like we're appeasing uh, an audience instead of appeasing the story. And I think, because my thing is, for the design, right, there's a lot of stuff that I, en- I enjoyed, the the update and different stuff like that. But I think... I think that it looks too rich, like too money. You know what I mean? It almost takes on a sanitized quality. Yeah, because it's... And a part of that is because they had to put it on television, and so there are like rating things to be concerned about. Right, but But I... But you put too much money into it. Yeah, because, because I think like the update with the choreography and the music we both really enjoyed. Yes, those were the right areas to push. Right, but I think that you pushed a little too hard when it came to the visual visual aesthetic of no i agree of stuff because it just agree because it it needs to still be that that b horror film it still needs to have that that dirt and grunge to it and so the reason that a lot of the the way that the 75 version looked the way it looked that way and why it looked that way was actually because Richard O'Brien was really into the glam rock scene. Yeah. And that, and the reason that he wanted to really pay homage to that in that film in that way was because he said that glam rock and glam rockers made me feel like I could be more than what, what I was and I could express myself more and be more, which is the whole point of It's the whole spirit of Rocky horror. Exactly. So that aesthetic choice is exactly it. it, Yeah. And I think that too, like I, I thought that the, the tights on Laverne and then they use them later in the floor show. I think they're so, so cool, but I know that like a couple, like a year or so after that, we talked about 
getting something like that and wanting to do that. So expensive. They're so expensive. So then it takes some of the like the newer stuff that they did. It removes that relatable quality. Right. It's very hard to dress up as someone from the new movie. Exactly. You have to buy very specialized, specific pieces. And and they're expensive. Yeah. And that, to me, I, I appreciate the intentionality. Oh, some God, the, yeah. Some of the color stories are much clearer. I really like the look of the time warp. It's not like the, the tuxedo with a colored shirt and a party hat. It's, it's it, it much more diverse than that. And I think the, for that, I really like the fact that that's a little bit more diverse visually because they also have that again the sign in the background that is the 41st so of course sure but i wonder so like and this is something that we can talk about in a different category i wonder if they would have oh no because we can use it here if they would have updated it to be like in that time period but more so you know like disney bounding right right how you take a character, their costume, and like you take the colors and little shapes and things that it was inspired in, but you use regular human clothes for it. Yeah. What if, what do you think of like, what if they would have done something like that, but made more of the clothes more modern? Um, how I that would have, it... how that would have looked. Um, and because like, I don't know. There's something about... I think it could work. I I like the idea. Um, I think that the Time Warp costumes in particular are a clever way to include more glam rock look. Yeah. And I think they do sort of update some of the stuff, like Magenta's costume in particular, for example, has like... It's a maid costume, but it's also very finely tailored and like the headpiece is an interesting pattern and fabric. There's lots of texture going on. Mm -hmm. So I think they do some of that. Yeah, but I wonder if they, like... But Brad and Janet, for example, the wedding in particular at the very top does look very dated and not not updated. Right, and I wonder if that if that would have been something because then you could do that whole building of world thing that I know that we've talked about in other, um, in other episodes where you take two different time periods, mash, oh, them, together mash them together to create something different. So, like keeping like maybe some of the hairstyles from Mm. the fifties, but like mashing it with more modern clothing. Um, but keeping like the dialogue still is like the fifties, da 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 da, whatever. Um, I just wonder, I just wonder how that would have looked. I wonder if maybe the reason they don't do that is because there's a lot of nostalgia drive behind this project, which makes sense. And so maybe there's a certain amount of boundaries that you have to maintain in order to be able to play into nostalgia. Right, and that's the only thing that I don't know, but I yeah, wonder I don't, if, I don't know either. That's an interesting take. I wonder how visually that would have looked if they would have been able to do that. Well, it sounds like we're going to produce a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And find out, kids. I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> um, I also really love, Janet has a necklace with her name on it. So cute. I love that decision. I love that choice. It's so fucking cute. Um, we have to talk about Rocky's shorts. That pissed me off. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I understand that it, they, because like certain, a lot of the corset stuff, things like that, it was 
um, more covered up for everybody because it was made for TV. Right. And we have TV ratings to keep in mind, and right. that is ultimately what the decision boils down to. But my problem with it is, is they still could have been shorter than what they were. They were basketball length because they were because later in the floor show, he's wearing itty bitty tiny things, and yes, they're yes. connected up. That's the thing is that qualifies as a singlet, which does not qualify as underwear. Got you. Because, like, my thing is, like, even if for shorts, because, like, they're, like, knee-length baggy, but you could have kept the more baggy look and just had them be shorter Shorter than what they were. There are length requirements and there are... Oh, okay. There are rating requirements that dictate that you can only have X number of almost nudity. Underwear qualifies in that category. I got you. So there are, like, rules and lines you have to adhere to. And he does later wear that singlet in the floor show, which is much tighter. So people were like, that doesn't make any sense, but it qualifies as a singlet. And it's, so that's not, so underwear. it's a different rule. Gotcha. You'll notice Brad and Janet's underwear is still very like conservative. Yeah. Cause Janet like she's actually there, has like a, like a slip. Panties, right. She's wearing a slip. Like there are rules and there's a box you have to fit in in order to get it on TV. Right. So that's the reason behind those shorts to the best of my knowledge. If I'm wrong or if someone has more info on that, please do feel free to tweet at us. Well, cause my thing is like, and may- maybe it was because Brad wore socks and shoes <laughs> and Rocky didn't. But like, I thought, isn't Brad's underwear shorter than Rocky's shorts? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like, can we it's, take it's, just a few inches off of it? It's just, I it's don't too... think all the rules make sense, but that's, I think the right. reason they why probably is played like a into box that way. Fit into in order to appease a TV rating and TV ratings are outdated and need to be, need to be changed at this point anyway. So I think we can agree that it was just a misstep, but it, I think it was just red tape that they couldn't get through. They had to put it on TV. Also, I don't know if I, if I like the, uh, weird, cap highlight that rocky got you know what i'm oh, saying oh, his hair his hair yeah so i like, don't love it either because like Again. when he comes out of the water because he had to be blonde because it literally state states that with blonde hair and a tan that's yeah i in mean the it's script. in the lyrics um but so i don't know if any of you have done this have you done one of the cap not since highlights. I was like in elementary school. So there's the cap highlights. There's little holes on this cap that you put on someone's head and then you pull the hair through the little holes. You can bleach that and then it's supposed to give you highlights. Mm. When he, especially like when he first comes on the scene and his hair is wet, it looks like that freshly happened and it is almost comical. Yeah. It looks like they literally, like, when he got to set that day, they were like, we're bleaching your hair, sit down. Yeah. Again, some of the some of the choices feel like they are meant to appease an audience and not to tell a story, and that really irks me. Yeah. Especially knowing William Ivy Long is the one who did the costumes for the 2016 movie, and he is brilliant. Right. right? He has done some really insanely inspired costume work. Yeah. So to see this and to know that it's in service of not telling the story, that it's more in service of like the glamour or the, you know what I mean? Right. Like it was about getting more sequence on stage and not about telling the story at hand. Yeah. And I, I have a problem with that. Yeah. Because I just, I don't know. Not, not a fan personally of, of some, some of the choices in the 16, as far as like. They're very glamorous. 
there yeah it's very it's very glamour it's very money it's very like fun shiny to look at right but unlike the other logistic elements we've talked about did you heighten your story exactly and i don't i, don't I just don't think it did for some of some of these design things like well, we're talking ourselves into it right now but who do you think gets the point i think it's 75 gets the point personally i think so too for costumes yeah uh, as much as I, I prefer the floor show in because i think because okay so the floor show thing I do love the gold aesthetic that happens. I love the gold makeup thing that happens. I love, I think that that is so cool. And that more so like some of those pieces is a bit more accessible. Like if you wanted to recreate a couple of those things. Well, and one of the big things about the gold look that I prefer is the makeup. Because yeah. I really, really dislike the makeup execution in the 75 floor show. So knowing knowing who did the makeup at the time, I think it's really, really awesome. I do really, I prefer the update. But I do think that like the obnoxious of a lot of the uh, lines and the colors and yeah, yeah. I like the, the fact that I it love gets the design. messy and I, I have a personal problem with the, the way the makeup runs in the pool and that's just a oh. personal preference oh, I just okay. don't like the way it looks I just don't like the execution like I think the shapes on Brad's face are too big in, in the 75 and I just don't love I don't love the execution in that floor show I don't love that it runs I'm not going to hold that against it because again that's just a personal preference yeah I don't like seeing the makeup run, but I, I prefer the execution and the design of the gold makeup significantly. Right on. I prefer the gold costumes. I know you don't love Annalie Ashford's gold costume. No. And I think it's, I can't, I, I can't tell why. I Is think it because she has that t-shirt on with like print and stuff on it? It might be. So it doesn't feel as lingerie as everybody else? It might be that because there's, because there's something about it. she's wearing clothes and everyone else is literally in gold underwear. <laughs> and that's because that's the problem that I have with it because everyone else changes what they're wearing and hers is like what she was wearing, like the capris with the jacket that she yeah. was wearing at one point, just but now in just gold. in gold. Yeah, I can see that. That's the only, that's the only thing is that there's something like it needed to me, it needed to maybe change a little bit more than it did. Or like maybe instead of the t-shirt, put like a bustier underneath it. Or like a, like a gold mesh shirt, like a gold mesh version of what she wore before. Yeah. Something Something with a bit more edge and reveal to it. I think that's a fair critique, although I do still really like the outfit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool. And the thing that made me really think about the fact that this was made for TV was her outfit. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe they just had one too many sexy people. Right. One too many <laughs> so, midriffs. So they needed to like cover up. They were maybe like, just was, put her in some, in some capris. Maybe it was a comfort <laughs> level for her. Like, I don't, I don't know, but I just, there was something it, and it might, you might've hit the nail on the head with the t-shirt. Because everything else was very lush and very everything else is very like and metal lame sequin, and it's just like and a she's cotton just a white fucking t-shirt. t-shirt underneath her blazer and pants. So I think for costumes, design stuff like that, I think it, I think it goes to the the seventy five. Because especially with Tim Curry's makeup design, oh, which is flawless and perfect, and again, narrative. It is the most 
I and I knew that they couldn't just like take that and stamp it on Laverne Cox. I'm well aware of that. I wish that there was something different that they could have done because she looked stunning. And I think the thing is, is that she just looked stunning and not like, because the thing with Tim Curry's character, um, of it and the design of it was, it was that like androgyny. He's a little spooky. He's like spooky, but he's so sensuous and sexy all the time that you're like, you're so creepy looking, but why do I want to fuck you? Like it just kind of As opposed to Laverne Cox where you're like, you're just like, you're fucking hot. You are a hot woman. Yeah. I get that. I also, last design note, their set is so dark in the 2016 one. Yeah. It's all like dark stone and castle walls and dark reds and hate that. Yeah. 75 it is. 75. Category number four. We're on to direction and cinematography. Right out the gate, there's a POV shot in the 1975 when they come out of the elevator after they get to the to the castle, mm-hmm. where they like pan over the the crowd in the the little dance hall thing, that's such a good shot. It's yeah. a perfect like B film like shaky shot. We only use it for a minute. It's like the shot we got every five fucking seconds in Phantom of the Paradise, <laughs> but used You're properly. Right. But used the right way this time. Yeah. And like immediately right after that, there's a fourth wall break. Yeah. I think it's Riff Raff who looks like right, just right dead at the camera. And, and here's the thing is that the fourth wall breaks that happen in both, both versions, it just brings you even further into the joke. Right, right. That's the thing. They're not using it to, but they don't, they don't use uncomfortable. it. It, 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 yeah. it puts us in on the joke with the cast. Yeah. And that's so effective. That's so brilliant. I, Yeah. The entire 1975 production, it's a, it's a self-aware B-film, right? Yep. So it's handled so well to keep us in on the joke while still maintaining the characters and their intention, but the characters are also in on the joke. Yeah. It's so well done, and they handle it so smoothly the entire time. The whole movie gives big, like, college cast party vibes. Oh, everybody's on a little something. <laughs> everybody's just vibing, having a good right, time. Right, right. Everyone's cut loose a little bit. Everyone's guard is down a little bit. We all trust each other here. Mm-hmm. We're all having a good time. There's music playing vaguely somewhere. Las Vegas <laughs> rules. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think... Um, I, so, because with the set for the 75 version, everything was very, like it lives there. Yeah. Which I think, which added in. So that actually is like an actual castle that they went and filmed in. Oh, so like, figure. so part of it is filmed, um, on a, on a studio lot. And part of it was filmed like inside of like an actual, like castle building, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, and wow, I think they, commitment to the bit. Yeah. And I think they, they really leaned in, into that kind of thing. Um, it just, there are these little moments with like Susan Sarandon where she's just looking like Brad is like, yeah, no, we're, we're good. And I, I am, I am man and I am going to, you know, da da da. And she's looking at him like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like you seriously are cool with this, but she, it's so subtle. Yeah. 
it's so subtle, but it is so effective. And I'm just like, Susan Sarandon, you're so hot. (laughs) You really have, you're jonesing for some Sarandon. Listen, and she's still hot. I stand by that. (laughs) Stunning. Okay, I'll defend that. That's, I think, I think it's fantastic. I think I, I really, the bedroom scenes. Oh my God. The bedroom scenes the are so well done. The silhouettes I think are absolutely stunning. Cause at first, cause what they were able to do then was they were able to first have the actual actor come in. Yeah. I mean, so it's it looked really... like that. So it seemed even more so that they, that this being Frankenfurter can shapeshift. Yeah. I mean, it's really clever very effective and like the parallels between the two scenes between like the dialogue and the actual staging of it and it's not explicit so it still gives you that kind of imaginative horror aspect of b film mm-hmm. it's just really i mean that's that's a crowning jewel moment those bedroom scenes oh yeah it's really well done i do think in the 1975 film that some of the pacing isn't always right on the money. And I think it's a directing choice and not a script choice. Uh, uh, the big one that stands out is getting in and out of hot patootie with meatloaf. The deep freeze thing. So the thing that confuses me. So if you haven't seen this scene, there is like a freezer. We're working with Rocky. He's alive and human. And he like bumps into a wall and a light starts flashing that like a deep freeze and then meatloaf comes crashing through cause he's in a freezer that's there. I understand that he was supposed to be like a part of an experiment. And so he got like locked away, whatever. I just didn't vibe with it though, because it was, it was clunky. And my thing yeah, is, yeah, it's clunky. The pacing is, is wrong. I think one of the things that could have, it wouldn't have fixed it, but would have made everything make more sense is if there was like a giant red button that Rocky like hit. And then all sure. of a sudden, like something a little more on the nose. Yeah. Because it just looked like all of a sudden the deep freezer stopped working. It always felt to me when I watched this as a kid, like they had filmed Rocky horror picture show, finished the movie. And then meatloaf had said, yeah, I'll do a cameo. And so they filmed this separately and dropped it in the middle of the movie. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Getting into it feels clunky and unmotivated. Getting out of it seems very abrupt and unresolved. And I know we come back to it eventually, but just like if one of those had been fixed, I feel like it would have jived better. But this is one example where I feel like the pacing just wasn't right. Right. I, I, I agree with that, with that pacing. Um, and I think that some of the Medusa changing. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like in the Medusa sequence, like we're dropping cues. So I wonder if in that sequence, if there was something about, so they change into statues. Yeah. yeah. They like flip the Medusa switch. They're frozen in place. They turn into statues, all that happy jazz. So I wonder if there was something with the timing of needing to like stop the film, move in a statue. I mean, maybe something there that switch out physically. And I don't, I don't know if the, if, if they were just like, this is, this will still make sense. This will still, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, it, the pacing feels too slow. It feels like it should move faster than it does. Yeah. But I did prefer, um, personally, I preferred the statues As opposed happening, to them just freezing. Which, cause they didn't freeze. Right. Which I think is maybe a reference to how they stage that in a shadow cast vibe. 
like when they do it in 2016. Oh. That's probably why they do it that way. But I, but it's a movie. And that's and that's the thing is that and you then know? but like that wasn't then like mirrored somewhere else. That no, wasn't we like don't, we don't justify it in a way that that appeases me. Right. Right. <laughs> Speaking of the 16. So some of the um, direction for some of it, there was a lot of, in my personal opinion, one too many times of leaning into the camp of it. So like right. the 75 version does that thing where if you're directing a comedy, you direct it as a drama because then because the, material the absurdity does the work. of right. them leaning into the drama of it. Mm-hmm. creates the comedy. Exactly. And I think that, I think definitely them like leaning harder into certain lines to make them pop out in the 16 version. A couple of times, like when they do the great Scott and they literally pause. Yeah. I think that that's hilarious. Um, but I agree with you in that. I think they do those self-referential moments. They do it too much. They go one, maybe one or two times too many. It's it's like that. It's like the kid at the party who's and I've been this kid, well aware. Just like <laughs> like punchline lands. Here's another one. Here's another one. I'm really freaking reaching, and you all are like, <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm funny, right? I think that that's no, it's it's, yeah. it's going too. It's that vibe. Like it goes a little too far. You're like, okay, you can you can stop doing that now. Because the difference between the 1975 and the 2016 movies are the 1975 is a self-aware B film that is actively trying to build a cult following. Yeah. Right. It's speaking to people who enjoy cult films. The 2016 version is. Speaking to people who enjoy the experience of going to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. So what we're doing is a sort of like self-aware meta parody of a parody experience. It's a parody of a parody. It's a hat on a hat. Right? It's A cat on a cat. Uh, go in a boat. You go. A, a chicken on a coop. No. Because there's more chickens on the inside of the coop, so it's you know what I'm talking about. Not fox in a box, not no. It's chicken in a coop. Yeah, chicken on a coop. Okay, this game was ruined very quickly. Thank you for playing. See, it's that thing where you do one too many. (laughs) There we go. That's what it happened. It's happening now. I was like, "Mm -hmm." so the experiences are different. We're doing different things. We're speaking to different audiences. And so you get these different decisions about referencing yourself. And I do think that the 2016 movie does a really great job of using literally the exact same material, the exact same scenes in the exact same sequence. It's the, it's exactly the same movie, but it's a completely different experience. Yeah. Because like specifically with Laverne Cox, Laverne Cox was not trying to be Tim Curry. No. Now she did. There was a couple things that she put in there, but I feel those were more homages and not I'm trying to be Tim Curry being Frankenfurter. Right. I mean, in the, in the category of direction, the casting of this superb, the 2016 film was cast perfectly. They, they did nail it. Absolutely. I think it's staged really cleverly to feel interactive. I think we have the moments of like audience inclusion. We have the references. We have the, you know, we do the audience sitting in the theater watching the film. We have like the shadow cast reference to itself. 
that's really clever. The shadow cast watching the film is also the ensemble that's in the time warp and doing all the all the background work. That's very clever. It's again self-aware. There are fourth wall breaks that keep pulling us in. There's a moment where Columbia, I think it's right after they undress Brad and Janet when they get to the castle. Columbia like picks up a shirt and like throws it over the camera and that's what leads us to a blackout. So they're aware that it's a live experience as well. It feels very clever and and self-aware in that way. I do think sometimes, however, we err too far into, again, appeasing an audience instead of telling a story. Because I think one of the things that really, that I really just, I just don't like, and it feels almost cringy to watch for me personally, is the bedroom scenes where, okay, there's, there's two spots that don't make sense to me. So there's the bedroom scene where it's Brad's turn, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's doing the same exact things that Janet did physically, which I think is like the right move. Right, I think the rep- the mirrored staging, the mirrored dialogue. But is, he doesn't again, very do funny. it as Brad. No, he does it in in a sort of he's referencing the scene before it in a melodramatic way, but they do that in the first one without going as far as we do in in the twenty sixteen. Right. And it feels like maybe he goes too far in one direction. Right. Because it it's, he does that thing that sometimes, um, like the, the comedy of it should have been him doing the same things physically as Janet, but as Brad. So like, not to weirdly gender this, but like he, they, some, sometimes people do that thing where. I'm a man, but I'm going to act like frilly, like girl for comedy. And to me, it's just not funny. Yeah. And I don't know that that's what he necessarily was. The Not but that I, that's what he was trying to create the punchline with, but that's uh, intentionally. But I think that that's, to me, that's the way that read. And I was like, this isn't funny. And if you would have just like leaned into the fact that you're, you're, you're Brad and you're still like, going from one bedpost to the next bedpost and like having a different energy about it. Yeah. I think there is a delicate line to walk around these two scenes because the original punchlines of the scene are that Brad is doing the same thing, but he's sleeping with a, with a trans person. Right. Like the punchline is that Brad fucked a dude. Right. And there's some transphobia to unpack within that punch. Right, right. So I think there's some kind of stepping in around this scene that maybe they had to do, and this was just what they landed on. I don't know uh, that it's necessarily the right decision, and I agree that it is heavy-handed, but unsure, unclear what the other alternatives would have been to make it read not transphobic, because, you know what I mean? Because I think, I think the thing that it... Because what's interesting with you bringing that up, though... Is that then we have the thing of like, because Laverne Cox, woman. Correct. Victoria Justice, woman. Exactly. So then we're playing into the whole like, it's cool because they're two women banging. Right. I mean, there's lots of. There's, I mean, there's so, there's so much around it. So it's possible that there was like maybe even a lack of direction because they weren't, they didn't want to push actors in a direction that made them uncomfortable. Right. And who knows? I mean, that's, that's behind the scenes stuff we don't, don't have privy to, but, but I wonder if it, and I don't know if this, how maybe you could come across this, but I think if you would, would play it as 
no, I can't, I can't sleep with you because I'm in a monogamous relationship and purity is important to me and to us. And I don't want to cheat on my person with you. If you ungender those boundaries and make it more about. About the act of what that would have been. Right. Versus who it is with. I think the punchline out of it is they both at the end voraciously fuck Laverne Cox. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That should have been the punchline. That should have been the out that like, no, I can't. I'm taken, but you're really hot. So we are going to bang like crazy. Yeah. That would have been the punchline out. Yeah. Well, now we know we are, we're going to have to direct this now. We're going (laughs) to. So, um, but the other thing is like, so for, uh, touch, touch, touch me. Yes. So, OG, right? It's in, it's already, she's like, she's run away. She's in, in the, um, the lab. Yes. With Rocky dresses, the wound. They're there. They're doing things. They're, it's very sensuous and actually touchy. And I'm very well aware (laughs) that they couldn't have done what that was. That on television, yeah. No. But it just, they like start there and then they're in her bedroom and then, but then they're found out again in back in the, back in the thing. And it just, that was a lot. That was a <laughs> lot for me back and forth of like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I, mm-mm. they could have still done like a lot of weird, like teasy, you can have lighter, weird touchy in a lab. things. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like a lot of weird, like touchy things, but not as like gropey as the 75 version, you still could have done that in that space of the lab. Yeah. Yeah. I have a note about touch me in the script section. So why don't we round out this category and move on? Okay. Who gets the point for direction? I personally think the 75. I am inclined to agree with you. I think they both have weak points, but I think that the 2016 has just a few more soft spots than the 75 does. So I would give it to the, to the 75 movie. Yep. Okay. On to the script. Category five, last one. 1975 is fully committed to being a B-film, but still very self-aware, and that shines really brightly in the writing. Yeah. All the the sidelong glances, the references that they make, whether that's in dialogue or in character design or in the setting that they're in or, 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 you know, the plot itself, the kind of, like, gay fruity take on Frankenstein, which is already very gay it's so gay Vinny had a whole realization this week about igor being like an envy allegory well because to me he's always been played like very much so as stupid yeah like a, and it's like it's he never... makes mistakes as a henchman because he's an idiot yeah and it's, it's not that and it's not like i've i've never really seen it played as like a no i know exactly what i'm doing i'm gonna mess up the man you're building because i want you to love me yeah. Yeah, he's an envy allegory. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So this already, like, kind of queer-adjacent story, and they really play that up, and they lean into it, and they reference other things, and and Magenta and... Uh, what did you say earlier about Magenta and Riff Raff? Oh, that they're uh, vampires. Yeah. So, so because... Oh, so the thing, too, is, is that... And I think that Frankenfurter is a vampire that also builds a creature, because... The place that they come from is Transylvania. Is Transylvania. They talk about how sweet it is because it's night all the time there. 
Um, in the 75 version, you actually see Riff Raff almost like lean over and like is doing that classic thing of like a vampire biting someone's neck. You don't really see he it happening. He does have kind of a Nosferatu vibe about him. Right. And so, and that's where like all of the sensuality and things like that are because that's a very Dracula theme right, that right. happens. All monsters are manifesta- manifestations of human fears. Vampires it, are their fear of human sexuality. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's what all of that is. Wow, that's a really well-rounded observation. Thank you. Look at you go, breaking down horror <laughs> yeah. horror tropes left and right this week. Yeah, so, um, and it's especially like is... with, and then they, they lean back into the Frankenstein thing with like the Mrs. Frankenstein reference at the very oh, end in the hair. Oh, in the hair, right, right. Um, and I just, there, there's so many different references like that um yeah i mean it's written very complexly but very it's like horror and sci-fi because there's also like king kong reference in the 75 which they then bring into the 16 version in a new way which i thought was cool Um, oh is that the hand to god moment yeah where she's like in the gorilla i love that moment yeah that's so clever to me um and they make that more dramatic um i think this script is instantly classic Every line is so quotable. The whole damn thing is quotable. And then not only that, there's so many references now out in out in the ether because of this film. Absolutely. So many. And it just... It's been socially so pervasive. Like, it's such a concrete part of the zeitgeist. For, what, three generations now? It's been playing for 50 years? Yeah. So, like, you have so many people so invested in this script, and it... It's just such good writing. Like you want every single line of this movie on a mug or a t-shirt, tattooed on your ass. Like, Like, come on. It's just all so great. The name sequence. Yeah. The Brad, Janet, Rocky, Janet. They literally. Doctor Scott. I mean, that's such clever writing. And then they literally pull that and put it into movies like Shrek. Like, are you kidding? Donkey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such brilliant writing, and again, self-aware. It's referential it's literary it's i mean it's just really good Mm. what does it all mean at the very end not a lick of shit but no one cares nothing but uh, but the thing that it does is that there is okay i have seen people take works of art movies live theater musicals all of that shit and try and apply meaning to it right yeah and so, and not just like people that watch it, because I'm sure there's there's plenty of stuff in here that you can take little chunks of and be like, this could be a lesson for this or da 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 whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes the people who are in the film and in the stuff and you know they're like, no no no, this act- movie is actually really deep, even though it's like a comedy. Yeah, let me explain it to you about what the big meaningful thing is that you missed. Or they this this doesn't do that this doesn't play into that at all this doesn't try and be anything more than what it is right it i mean it is face value at face value fully should we talk about the 2016 script yeah this one was also equally brilliant to me because it takes the experience of seeing this live it includes the fan traditions it's self-referential some of the dialogue 
becomes an inside joke or a reference. And again, we've talked about some of them in like the great Scott of it all. And I do agree with the critique. They go a little far in one direction, but I like that they use some of it as a reference to keep us in on the joke. I think that that's a clever way to use the script without changing the script. Um, the one of the lines that they added was, I hope it's not meatloaf again. Right. Which is so funny. It's so funny. And it's so just like off the cuff. It's not. And that one like isn't played up at all. Columbia just like says it. And it's like. I love that it's set at the, at the movie theater with like the science fiction double feature on the outside. Yep. That's really clever. Very meta. And again, like very much in the spirit of a meta retelling of a, of a self-aware parody. Exactly. Yep. There, there's some pacing things for this too. Like one that really comes to mind is during the dinner scene, um, Frankenfurter. So they have this line of, they're trying to talk about Eddie and you know, the, the, the electric saw this. Yeah. The carving knife, like that to me was a little slow and could have been picked up on quicker. There was, um, the, it's a, the line of it's a tender subject. It's supposed to be talking about. And the reason that everybody like drops their silverware and stuff like that is because Frankenfurter is talking about the meat that they're eating is Eddie. Yeah. It's a tender subject, but there's a punchline and, and the pacing for it has to be just right for it to make it a punchline. And it just wasn't right. Unfortunately, it it just, it wasn't right. I agree with that one. Although I do think overall that the dinner scene is improved in the 2016. And I think that that is because they do, they have everyone sitting on one side of the table. Yes. Like it's a shadow cast and it brings it more so to that kind of vibe instead of an actual dinner table thing. And Ben Vereen does the thing where he spins in his wheelchair. That'll get oh me every time. Oh my God. The I think elect- that's fucking funny. The electric wheelchair that they're able to use in this, that just, they were able to do wheelchair choreography because of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So know? there are things that we got that we got out of 2016 that we don't in the other one. Like at one point, Tim Curry is telling, it's like right after they get to the castle and Tim Curry is like, they were about to embark on a journey that would something, something, something. And his office assistant just like throws her head back and screams bloody murder because i forgot that there isn't one of those in the original no there isn't and i don't know the scream is so uproariously funny and i don't know if it's because there are certain physical things that tim curry couldn't do so they added a second person to make those things still happen i mean he this was like one of the very last things he did because he physically could not really right. move he, much anymore at all. Like, even his arms. Even so in, like you can see it in this film that he is not physically well. No, and he, he is parked, and yeah. he is delivering. Yep. Um, and that's great. And that's, It's so meaningful that he gets to be here, but, like, yes, exactly. we did need her. And expanding that character in that way, giving him an assistant, leads to these really funny moments. Exactly. And I think that's a really great script choice. There's also the line, uh, 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 we'll wait until their guard is down and we'll pull out our aces when they're pulling Brad's pants down and then like aces, aces fall. fall out of his pants. That's funny. Yeah. That That's was, a funny gag. That was a good add in. I think it's, I think they're really funny. Uh, I, I like a lot of the choices here, but again, we start to push into 
this place that starts to hurt our story because we're so focused on the audience and and sharing this experience of going to see it. Yeah, and it, and that's that's the hard part with some of this is I understand the references, I get it, and like a few references make for a really great when you use them subtly to keep us in on the joke in order to translate this experience. I think they're effective. I just think we get one too many of them. And some of them are leaned into a little extra hard for my liking. We also changed the end of Creatures of the Night. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but like we fully take out the end of the song where like each character has a creature of the night. Which is an iconic portion of it. Right. And, and I don't kinda, know why. It put a real damper on that song for me because it just kind of ends. Yep. I'm like, oh, that was not what I wanted. <laughs> right. It makes me sad. I don't, and I don't, I don't have a reason. There's no justification for how we, why we don't end it that way. Cause they wanted to simulate a live experience. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the decision. It made me sad. Yeah. It just, there's, there's a few decisions in here that I don't super vibe with. So one thing too, and I, so in, in the 75 version, when we're at the church, right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this goes along with script or directing or what, but um, we see Tim Curry like dressed in a suit and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it would have been cool if they could have gotten Laverne Cox's twin because she's oh, a twin guys. That would have been really clever. She's a twin. And um, because they did that in the orange is the new black. So the flashback scenes of, her character when she was still outwardly before, before her before, transition. Yeah, before her transition, they instead of like causing any sort of dysphoria or right, right. or like you know whatever for Laverne, they were able to use her twin brother. That's really clever. What a missed opportunity. And I feel like that could have because she's just like shrouded in a veil and you know kind of thing the whole time. And I think that that would have been a really cool thing to get to add in. Yeah, I agree. As what like a, a, what a lost as something, opportunity. and I don't know if it's because like he wasn't available, they didn't think about it. Could have been a they scheduling didn't conflict. Do that. Could have been any number of things. Right. Who knows? Um, but I f- I feel like that was something that they that they could have done. Yeah. Well, personally, I just there was there's a few things, and like so in the '75 version, they have that reference of like that pitchfork picture. Yeah. Right. And the at, American Gothic. Yes. Um, that they use in the beginning. And at the end, the device that he uses is the top of a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. So he brings that back, but it's like, it's different there. And I think like being able to do something of that nature of bringing a callback moment, a callback moment from the beginning of those characters to the end. Sure, a couple of missed opportunities. I still think, I still think that the ingenuity in translating the experience of going to see it script-wise, I think maybe as far as direction goes, they don't they don't absolutely nail it. But I think script for script, I think twenty sixteen does more with the material, and provides more than the original script. Yeah. And I think, cause some of the stuff too, though, with it is that 
it it's able a little bit of it is able to provide more because of what the original was though Right, but the original was able to do what it was because of an entire industry of B-film before it. Like we can't, True. we can't discredit. True. The, yeah. No. 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 Not the you know adding adding off of it to obviously the second one survives on a legacy of the first one, but I think that the first movie survives on a legacy of an industry. So I think yeah. par for par, they're kind of in the same boat, just from different source materials. Yeah. What do you think? This one's hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like and and I know that like we've we've said that about a lot of the other categories, but we're able to like talk through it and kind of like come up with it. I It's hard to justify one way or the other on this one because they both do such a great job because they're doing different things for different audiences, as we have mentioned several times. Right. So it's hard to just decide which one of them I wanna give it to sixteen. I just I don't know. I think it should be twenty sixteen. I think the addition of including the shadow cast traditions in the script and the fact that it's referenced, it's still in the, it's in the movie theater that the first one ends in. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot that they do, that they do add to it. Yeah. There are gags they've added to it to pull out the aces. The dinner scene is significantly improved. The pacing getting in and out of Hoppatootie feels better. That pacing is. Uh, I and like I know, that pacing a lot more. Than, I know that that was a, a direction thing that we talked about, but it it still reads better. But now. it's a but it's a pacing thing. For, it feels like for the that. pacing solution was a script change and not a direction. You know what I mean? I'm right. I'm grasping uh, at straws here, but I need you to. I want you to be with me. I think it's 2016. All right, you have to make a call. What's it going to be? Peer pressure. Agree with me. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's one of those things i'll give it to 16 but it's only like i mean it's literally like point zero 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 one percent <laughs> the like you know like what i tell margin. you like it is it is i know the decision needs to be made it just oh okay ooh, the, 2016 the, it is the tiniest margin baby <laughs> Oh, the glamour and the gore. I love both of these so much. We have to rate it. You're right. We have to rate both of them. So the way we handle the the ratings in the showdowns is we rate both of the films like we normally would on any given episode. And whichever movie gets the higher rating wins the point. Right. Okay. Let's talk about ratings on 1975. Okay. There's a couple of pacing issues. They're very, very minimal and they don't damage the story that's being told. I think the movie is well-written. I think it's well-cast. Uh, I'm inclined to give it, like, like a four. It'd have to be... I was thinking, like, a 4.5. I'd be... I'd, I could go 4.5 on this. I think, I think a 4.5, especially because of... I mean, what other real problems did we have with 1975? It's kind of light on choreo, but... But that's just... So it's not a dance show. Who cares? Right. Not every not every show is going to be a dance show. And I... And the and the only... Re- for music, the only reason why the 16 beat it out was because of the additions that they added to it. And, the, and it was... Uh, some of that stuff was... Cleaner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there was just... And Didn't you say with... there was some kind of controversy with Meatloaf? 
Yeah. Tell me about that. So with meatloaf, um, there's a lot of different stuff that I did not realize that he he was like really down for Trump. Oh no. He, I didn't know that about him. He um was actively supporting the anti vax in regard to COVID. Oh, but that's all recent, right? That's that's recent. There's st- there's stuff from before too. Oh. There's stuff from before um and I don't want to like miss misquote quote, something. Yeah, but there was there was a lot of stuff before too that kind of problems. Mm. Okay. Well, so and so I there's stuff. He's much like anyone else in life. He's a mixed bag of a human, but I still I think I'm still comfortable with a 4.5. But I I'm comfortable with the 4.5. Okay. For for it. All right, I'm cool with that. What about 2016? It gets a little heavy-handed. It is. There are a couple casting choices that maybe at the time were less than appropriate. Ben Vereen was in the middle of a sexual assault. Oh. Thing at the time. I did not know that. Yeah, he had a lawsuit at the time. I don't know. I actually don't know if he if the lawsuit started before or after the filming cuz this was 2016, right? Yeah. There are a lot of articles from 2017 and 2018 about his allegations, so I don't know about all that, but and right. it got it was settled out of court. Like it, it it was settled he didn't get held to trial or anything. But but that I mean that also doesn't mean anything in regard right. to I mean, did Ben Vereen get a pass at a sexual assault case? I don't love that. Yeah. We're now aware too that William Ivy Long has done some really shady, really disgusting things from a position of power. Oh, the costume designer? Yeah, yeah, William Ivy Long, the costume designer. Oh, which breaks my heart because no. I've idolized William Ivy Long for such a long time. And as, as a matter of fact, when we looked back at other projects, like there have been past episodes where I have praised William Ivy Long. It was before I knew about any of these allegations, but it's when you look up the lawsuit, it's really gross. Gotcha. It's like, it's like I don't want to talk about it. That's, you can Google nope, it. No, we don't have to. It's bad. Okay. And so those those people being involved in this project, it reduces the score for me. It it does, and it should, because we because there we should need be to a hold, no tolerance policy on that. No, we need to hold people accountable. And I don't believe in separating the artist from the art. I don't think that's appropriate or the way to move forward or to create a more equitable or especially art. especially if they are still getting opportunities revenue right like if this still facilitates your life then we shouldn't be praising you for it like you shouldn't be so i would say like a three yeah because i do think with that but also like again and it's not just that it's the heavy handedness it's it's the putting too much money on it there's some um design things that you know we would definitely personally want changed and yeah and yeah yeah There's could lend just, itself more to the story being told and like different stuff like that i do think it's brilliant i think it's such a clever way to revitalize something like this instead of just like doing some stunt casting and like throwing in some computer graphics into the woods 
I think that this is a great way to not that Into the Woods had like an actual movie adaptation before the 2015, 13, whenever that Meryl Streep movie happened. Yeah. Different ball game, but but to do something like this instead, where you stay true to the original intention of the film and you you do it in a way that celebrates its legacy and yeah, includes the people was, that made it. This was not an adaptation. No, this was. This is a remake. Right, it's a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I I like that about it. I just think that there are some things that are mishandled and maybe some people included in the project that shouldn't have been ethically speaking. So I'll give it a three. I could rock it at a three. Which means that the 1975 movie gets the point. Yep. Which I believe brings us to a tie. 2016 won the music, dance, and script category. Three stars. 1975 won design and direction and the score. So we're at three and three. Three and three, baby. And we've got the Biddy test. The BD. The Biddy Drake. Pass or fail? 75. Pass. Pass. And 16. Pass. Pass. Like, you, you can't... Because for 75... A good chunk of those people that were in that cast originated the roles. Right. And there are some weaker moments, but, like, they're not bad. No. At no no point is anything unlistenable. No. No, not at all. Is it all singing? Not always. But that's okay. No, but not everything. And again, like, not everything has to be. And there is... Right. Who wrote Pirates of Penzance? They do patter songs all the time that are just rapid talking. Yeah. Music Man. Music Man is, like, 80% patter song. So, like, everyone just take a chill pill. Patter songs can... Speaking can be musical theater. <laughs> well, because I... And I... Yeah, yeah. But not to go into the semantics of that. But I think that... And then, obviously, when you look at the cast of the 16 version... Oh, my God. I mean, they just blow the vocals out of the water. Yeah. I could listen to Ryan McCartan sing anything forever. You're right. Laverne Cox's Steve. Oh, my God. Sex. It's yep. just delectable. Yep. It was a really shitty rendition uh, for you guys on my part. So, shit, bitch. Fuck, we got a tie, kid. It's a tie! It's a tie. Oh my god. I really didn't... I never want to have to do this with these two ever again. (laughs) This was hard because, again, I love both of these. This was... I I really didn't know where this was going to end going in because they were both so good and some of these categories came really right down to the fucking wire. That script category, I gotta tell ya... I'm still unsure. I still... I'm unsure about direction and script, I'll be honest. It... Listen, kids. Oof. Tweet at us, email us, message us, do something, and let us know what you think about yeah. it. What your opinions on it are, because it's... Can somebody break the tie for us? Gal darn. Someone throw us some talking points here. If you can break the tie, we'll, I don't know, mention you on an episode, or maybe you, you can be a guest host. Yeah. Someone, Depending on who you are and where you live. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, this was all, they're both so fantastic. And I just, I. I'm I, so happy we ended our Halloween with this. On a good note. On a uh, good, thanks for riding this ride with us. We and, started so strong with Little Shop and now we're ending here with Rocky Horror. And there was all that garbage in the middle. <laughs> 
Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for your birthday month. And then we've got holiday stuff lined up. Oh, I'm so ready for the Christmas musicals. Oh, they're all delicious. I'm so jazzed about it. I, and we have a mixed, we have a mixed bag. Oh, delicious. Yes. You want a cookie? You know, at the time of recording, it is definitely past my lunchtime. So I All right. Well, let's have a snack and then have a snack. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, have a snack and then a snack with snacks because we're snacks and you get it sam keep that tongue pop <laughs> everyone uh give a round of applause to sam our editor he's doing so much for us and we love him so much pew, 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 pew. the family is growing uh, i'm so excited we've got guests we have an editor we could use a sponsor if anybody is looking <laughs> <laughs> okay uh a fortune cookie? Yes, please. So the fortune cookie, very straightforward today, right out of the out of the movies we watched. Today's fortune cookie is don't don't dream it, be it. Which I live by. Cause damn, aren't we doing that now? I mean Right now, we're like we're podcasters. We're doing it. Look at us go. Yeah, we run We a, have an editor. A five star world renowned podcast. Real professionals. We're famous. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Famous to the people who matter. <laughs> Our moms. Kelsey. And fr- and and tons of friends and a couple people that um, don't actually know us, but know people who know. Listen, kids, we One love guy you so in much. Germany. Yeah, there was someone in Iceland. <laughs> there, Brazil. You know what, you Shout know out Brazil. Me, what occurred to me about the German listener? Hmm. My family hosted a german foreign exchange student for a year we're still friends on snapchat i wonder if oh. her i should ask that'd hey be funny girl. she's so sweet she's like my little sister i still yeah she's I, a... she got an invite to my wedding obviously she was in germany so well, she couldn't yeah. make it because of covid and all that happy jazz but love you lily miss you Hmm. well excellent where can they find us you guys can find us all all over that internet we're just all up in it just adjust, if you go to Safari and just type in internet, you'll find us. <laughs> Safari, hop on, get on, get on Firefox. <laughs> go fire up Ask Jeeves and just uh, <laughs> if you just search internet on Yahoo Answers, you're bound to find us. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. You guys can find us on Twitter at Backstage BDs. That's Backstage B for Benny, D for Drake, S. Instagram and TikTok at Backstage Biddies or email us at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. Rate us five stars if you're vibing on, on our hoopli. And if you want to rate us a one star, don't bother. Um, not that we've had that, but you know. Someone rated us four stars on Spotify, and I want to know who because I have words for you. <laughs> and also maybe a fruit basket if you're willing to change your review. <laughs> change your review. <laughs> um, but if you go ahead, rate us. Tell tell your friends. Tell Tweet about us. Hell, tell your enemies. Tell anybody. Yeah, your frenemies. Hello, everybody. Um, and send us a message or contact us in, in some fashion or another what you guys would like to hear next. We're always open to like, even though we say we're like, yeah, we're all booked up and planned. Those things have changed in the past before. Yeah, we're in charge. If something else comes along, we'll change it. Yeah. Who makes the rules? We, we do. do. Hello. 
Where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Binny Biddy, and you can find me on Twitter at Binny and No E. Where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Drake underscore Leverence. That's Drake underscore L-E-W-E-R-E-N-Z as in zebra, Drake underscore Leverence. Boom, baby! Boom, baby. We did it, kids. That's one more showdown under our belt. Happy Halloween! Be spoopy for one last day. Bye. Bye!